And we're back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the seventh episode of the 90 or Nothing podcast show. Well, today's show, yep, you guessed it, another big show. But first, I must make an amends to last week's results that I read out from the Warwick Gold Cup. The Cannings was actually won by Peter O'Neill on Roy, and there was actually an equal second three-way tie with Mark Bartsworth on playing harmonica, Ben Hall and Jackson, and Kurt Hanrahan on Bobadil Destiny's Diamond. So apologies, Kurt. I Sorry I stuffed up on that result. But moving on, today, I've been looking forward to this one. Whilst at Warwick, we managed to catch up with another cinch-sponsored rider, Bruce O'Dell. Now, Bruce is from Victoria, and he's a horsebreaker and trainer by trade. And he's a bloody good one at that. Bruce is just a bloody good fella to sit down and have a yarn with. He came from a fairly rodeo background and I might add that he was highly successful, but you'll hear about that. Bruce is now recognised as one of Australia's best horse breakers and trainers. He does break in quarter horses and stock horses, but his main business is breaking in thoroughbreds. And he's a bloody good one at that. The other day, Australia's richest race, the Everest, which has a prize money pool of $14 million, was run. And the horse that won it goes by the name of Yes, Yes, Yes. And guess who broke it in? Bruce did. Good on you, Bruce. That's a huge victory and a credit to your training. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we do hope you enjoy this episode of the 90 or Nothing podcast show. This episode is proudly brought to you by Cinch Australia and Camp Draft Training Online. Hope you enjoy. We're here at Warwick Gold Cup 2019 and we currently have managed to get hold of Bruce O'Dell. Um, he's not the biggest speaker, and um, but we're really glad he's accepted to um, talk with us today because he has had a really great career in the rodeo world and um, has a fantastic breaking in uh, method and also is, is doing really well in the camp drafting world as well. So he's had covered a wide variety in his career so we're really excited to have you here today Bruce. Thank you for coming along. Thank you for having me. Yeah no we're just super stoked to catch up with Bruce like we all know everyone's busy at Warwick but he's given us the bit of time of day and yeah I'm sure we're, everyone be really keen to hear your story. So um, today here we're at the Warwick Gold Cup. Firstly, um, you've had a couple of runs today and you were early out and put a score on the board on Carolyn McNabb's Conman mare, is she? Yep, she is. She's only, um, only a baby so far. This is the biggest trip away. Uh, yeah, very happy with how she went today. So uh, we'll see how we go with the next one. Yeah, there's been some good scores put out there, but then I think throughout the day there's been a few lulls in, in areas, so um, I think 87's looking pretty pretty good to get you back in for definitely a second round, so you'd have to be pretty happy with that. And what else? Do you have any more tomorrow, is it, in the Gold Cup? Uh, yep, got another two to go. Um, the older mare that i got, she's probably... My favourite on the truck. So is that this? Is that Scarlet? Scarlet. So yeah, she's she, uh, how's she bred? Uh, she's uh, by Irish Chisholm out of a um, smart okay. little Lena mare. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, very nice. She's definitely a really nice mare. I've noticed around the last few years, she's really sort of a lot of people have taken a lot of yeah. look at her and, and noticed that, yeah, she's come along really nice. You'd have to be pretty happy with her. Yeah, I think she's got that present about even when she walks, she just... Definitely, yeah, no, she yeah. catches your <laughs> eye and then she works just as good. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, she's a beautiful mare. No, you'd have mm. to be happy with her. Where definitely. did you pick her up from? Like, um, how did she come about? Uh, she was. She didn't make it in the cutting pen, so I ended up with her. Yeah. Um, she went through the faturities, but I don't think she'd done any good at the faturities. Yeah. The fellow who had her ended up wanting to send uh, what he used to call at that stage the reject cutters to the camp Afton. Yeah. And uh, I think I was very fortunate to get her. She's definitely yeah, I, now I own her, so she's uh, yeah, but she's a beautiful mare. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And um, a little about yourself. So you live in Victoria now, but you originally were born and bred in Central Queensland area. Yeah, no, we've been down the last 16 years down in Victoria. Um, I was born in Blackwall in the middle of Queensland. Went from there to Alpha as a, as a kid. Then the uh, parents bought a place at Aramac. So I'll probably always say I'm an Aramac lad, but spent yeah. a lot of my younger years around there. Um, yeah, got out of school pretty much and, and um, went back around the Alpha Jericho country uh, contract mustering for a few years. And, yeah. Yeah. So how how did you lead into um, the rodeo side of things? How did you get into there? Oh, I guess we just always had a fascination about riding potties when we were kids. We used to terrorise the milkers' calves and all yep. that sort of stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah, probably yeah. I think I was fifteen when I first got on my first bull. Um, I think I was sixteen when I got on my first bronc. Um, and then there was a few young fellas around Aramac, they used to call us all the desert rats, but we sort of all got together and yeah, righto. packed a, everything in the car and away we went. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was a fairly good time for you. And um, did you have any particular travelling partners while you were, especially in your, you were very successful and won numerous sort of Australian titles and, and what exactly did you end up winning there? Uh, one Australian title and about five Pro Tour titles, which yeah. is the most money one for the year so yeah. yeah how much traveling did that involve like and who with yeah oh with the with the apra um yeah it was pretty much from victoria to northern territory so we done a lot of miles um we didn't have to do the whole lot but we yeah i had a couple of good traveling partners there was a couple of fellas from or murray douglas from rama jeremy shaw from in june yeah. yeah we used to pick them up on the way through and and uh, we done a fair few miles together so yeah, yeah. I, I bet that would have been a bit of fun. <laughs> no, it was great. They were good, good fellas to travel with. So. How old were you then? Um, I probably didn't start full on rodeo until I was about 21 or 22. Yeah. Um, I started early, but I had a couple of prangs. I fell off a motorbike and got kicked by a horse in one year and both broke my legs. So, oh, yeah, right. so that put me out for a couple of years. So then when I did come back, I um, yeah, was, I was probably a late starter. But Was yeah. that hard coming back, having two broken legs? like? Did that play on your mind, getting on Bronx at all? Oh, no, not really. I think you're young and silly. You don't think about the tomorrow yeah. back then. So. Yeah, and, and so then that led you overseas where you competed successfully over there as well. I think Calgary, did you? Yeah, you I um, had two trips over. Went up into Canada the first time, uh, rode in the amateur ones, and then the second time we went over and rode the, uh, with the PRCA and the CPRA, Canadian Pro. So does that mean you have to qualify? Like when you go amateur... Is that me? Are you trying to? Does that get you into the pro, or what happens there? Um, we got into just... a lot of rodeos just because we used to ride with the APRA back here. Oh, okay. Uh, so that bigger rodeos that crosses over yeah. into the states. Yeah, yeah they right sort of, uh, If you're in the standings in the in the APRA back here, 
yeah. the next end of the bigger rodeos. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, you don't so much have to qualify through the, through the states. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. very good. And um, yeah, so you sort of travelled across over there with some mates again. What were your connections over there? How did you sort of get into it over there? It's quite daunting for a lot of sort of young fellas, I guess, would like, you know, the, I think the dream for most rodeo guys is to get to the States. Yeah, so yeah. what would be like, how would you, how did you get over there? What would your advice be to them to try and get over there? Uh, the first time we went over up into Canada, there was five of us. We were all leaving from Australia and we sort of had it all planned. We were going to, you know, just get a house over there and travel out. Of, lived in Medicine Hat so we, we um, they end up being seven of us because we met another two over there so she was well, that been an interesting bigger household. house full of Aussies so, yeah. yeah but um, it was good and then the second trip I went over I went with um, Jeff Baker and he sort of had contacts where we could have stayed in the States and yeah, right. and that, which was a lot better for me because I, I, um, I would have been confused how to enter every rodeo and whatever else so we uh, Richard E used to enter us all at the rodeos and we'd try and get into the best purse with the best horses and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. right, eh? How many rodeos would you do over there at a time? Oh, we'd do, you know, there'd be three or four we could get to sometimes on the weekends. We'd just be driving and not lack of sleep and driving and riding and, and um, oh, yeah. yeah, so. That's crazy. Yeah, every weekend you'd go to sort of two or three sort of things, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's just... Well, it's just so big over there, isn't it? It's a heritage. Yeah, it is. It's a way of life more than Australia, really. Yeah. So, mm. And you uh, studied over there or you did a course in uh, shoeing horses? Yeah, blacksmith farrowing course, yeah. which um, sort of, we well, I think it was only supposed to be for a month, but we, because we were rodeo and we weren't there Mondays, we weren't there Friday, and the fellow, <laughs> <laughs> the fellow who um, was running it, he looked after us pretty well too, oh, so he just yeah. kept us on there for three months and yeah. showed us a heap of stuff, so, yeah. yeah. And um, at what point did you meet your lovely wife, Jane, who was also very successful in the rodeo world? I'd uh, be probably 17 years, well, we met before that, but, you know, we yep. got together 17 years ago now. Um, and probably, yeah, she's been a big help to me along the way with uh, my rodeo career. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. She's, um, yeah, she, she definitely, I can remember her um, on that Palomino horse and I've always said to her that I, it was my dream just to get a Palomino horse and that blonde flowing <laughs> hair and she was just like the, like the epitome of, of a bar racing woman, you know, and she was obviously very good horse and cleaned up and yeah. unfortunately that horse, yeah, ended up hurting himself, didn't yes, he? And, yeah, he did. And he, he, uh, he was a brilliant horse actually, like he went from being uh well, pretty good horse to, well, probably one of the best, if not the best in the country sort of thing. So, right. Um, there was two real good horses that were battling it out, and I think he got pipped by about $100 by the, the other horse, which was yeah. one of um, Cherie O'Donoghue's horses. Oh, okay, so, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, he was a very good horse, and I think he was only just starting to hit his peak when that happened. He was yeah. still a young horse. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a really sad time. I remember that, but... Mm. Um, yeah. So even when you're rodeoing, did you always have this sort of um, passion for training, like horses, like even though you're rodeoing at the time? Yeah, um, I'd have been probably was after I come back from the states. So I might have been 24, 25, I guess. Um, I sort of got in with a fella in Emerald, a fella by the name of Ray McGee, who sort of gave me a different outlook on how to start a horse or. And what was that? But he, um, just the way he went about it, I went there shoeing his horses and I was watching him with his babies and I thought, geez, they're going good, mine are, like I'd kick them about the paddock and get them around all right and, and um, so I sort of started shoeing his horses for nothing, for lessons and yep. yeah, it went from there pretty much. So. Yeah, right, yeah. well that's obviously a good um, idea on for, you know, those 
guys who want to learn, you know, you don't always, um, you know, just trying to find those different sort of avenues to learn. And, and I think um, a lot of guys, you know, if you show that willingness to learn and sort of put yourself out there, you yeah. know, that's how you're going to do it. Hey, you got to sort of put yourself yeah. out there to try now, and he learn. He was a big eye opener for me, like to the way I was sort of taught to, mm. um, you know, and I guess we didn't know much better back then. We'd throw rope on them and we'd drag them around until we... Yeah got him ridden pretty much but how he sh sort of showed me to start a horse made a big difference to yeah what i am today so really so well, what is his process um well i think the biggest thing is their attention and probably not uh i think we used to scare them into doing a lot yep. years ago um and probably dominate them a lot more and i'm saying look you know we there's got to be a leader we're still a leader but yep. there's a lot nicer way to go about it to get to get them on side without having to bully them into doing anything really so and you find that works with like 100 percent of your horses 90 percent like what do you think like is yeah. there times where you go uh this horse just doesn't oh, respond look, to this yeah. method? They, they sort of say you know it's the natural way but i think if something you, you've sort of got to step up mm. um they're not all beautiful like yep. some of them will try you so you, i you know you pull a few old tricks out of the hat from way yep. back and yeah to to get on top of them pretty much like if they're not coming around well you sort of got to pick the levels up to where you can get on top of them pretty yep. much so but I, like you know if you start off gentle and it all works real good um that's great but if they're not being gentle back you've got to well there's got to be them. a mutual respect yeah, for each other has, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and i'm and i want to be the one who walks out of the round yard alive so. yeah exactly because <laughs> yeah. i guess there's a lot of people out there that sometimes like i sort of feel they can nearly take it too far where they've nearly being too nice to the horse where, yeah. oh, where they is, yes. where walk yeah. all yeah. over and then you know they bite and nip and kick yeah. and carry yeah. on but yeah like it there's yes. sort of that yeah definitely yeah, got to be a pretty well mutual respect sort of thing you, you know some horses rule their owners and yeah some 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 owners are probably too hard on horses sort of thing yeah in in my you know way of looking at it so yeah, yeah. definitely i think um yeah there's that mi middle ground and but i think there's definitely people out there who are just going to still continue on with their usual sort of old style breaking yeah, in but yeah. this middle breaking is probably a lot more um productive for your general customers yeah, isn't there yeah, because it is and you look i think if you sort of got the understanding of um how to start a horse and just read your horses a bit better a lot of people when they when they get that it's um a lot easier like any age group can sort of do it yeah. that way. Whereas, you know, when we were young, we were probably more bullying. And, and yeah. uh, I think one, one fella said to me, best thing you can do is leave your uh, testosterone at the gate and yeah. walk into the round yard, which is a... Yeah, yeah righto. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying this interview, but just a quick word from our major sponsor, Camp Draft Training Online. Are you guys sick of sitting on the fence and watching the finals and just wishing you were in there? Well, be sure to head over to www.teamcto.com.au and check out all the latest tips and hints from some of Australia's top camp draft trainers and competitors. These guys will make the difference. Well, this approach, Bruce, that you've taken on board is obviously very successful and you've managed to go down to the way of the horse at Equitana and compete a few times down there and might add do very well how many times have you actually been down there i went there uh 2014 i think the first time and and uh, fortunate enough to win it there um and they invited the uh three of the or four of the people who'd won it before back for a champion of champions thing that was they call it which was last year yeah and um 
yeah, probably picked a nice enough horse to let me win it again. So yeah. yeah. So how does that all work? How, what's the process you go through there? Uh, they pretty much just run. Um, I think last year we had uh, must have been eight horses or six horses. I can't remember now, but right. everyone draws a number out of the hat and we go in and we just pick whatever horse we like. Um, yeah, and then all we got to do is get one in each round yard, and they. Um, I think it's just about two hours a day we get to uh, over the three sessions. Yeah. Um, and you pretty much at the end of the th third session you've got to let them out and do an obstacle course and see how much you can get done riding. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So what stage did you have that horse at? Um, oh, I was probably the last one to catch him. I think that, that horse there, that last one. Um, yeah. I come out of there and I said to Jane, I don't even think I made a dent in that thing today. We just had no <laughs> attention span at all. Yeah. But the next day he was just really good and then the third day he was a bit switched off and then when it come to an obstacle course I took him out and I got him over a lot of the obstacles um, which I probably like I think I probably spent more time on my fellas back in the obstacle course than what the other fellas did which allowed me to win it sort of thing I got more obstacles done so yeah, okay. yeah. yeah it's something I haven't actually seen it where do they hold this event uh, that's uh, in Melbourne at the Melbourne yeah. Aquitana. Okay, yeah. yeah, I've heard all about it, but I actually haven't um, seen it. I've only seen pictures. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Thanks. a that's a yearly thing, is it? Uh, every second year, I think. Uh, they used to be Sydney, Melbourne, and now it's they got one in New Zealand. Oh, righto. And one back in Melbourne. So yeah, yeah. right. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, no, it'd be definitely. I wish we could have it up a bit closer somewhere around here. It would be a good spectacle, yeah. but um, it'd be definitely good to go and have a look at. Yeah. Well, so now at home, um, you're down in Victoria, your main business is breaking in. Um, what is your sort of main client? Like, I know you do a lot of thoroughbreds. Um, you know, obviously, they're a different world to the camp drafting cutting game and whatnot, but uh, how do you find breaking them in and whatnot? Um, well, I always probably joke to the owners, they're not bred for brains, really, but um, <laughs> because they, they do, they, they make you sort of look and read a horse a fair bit more because they do just pull some things out of their hat and you wonder where it comes from at times. You think, where did, you know, didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Um, but we sort of, we start every horse, our majority is, we probably break in 70% of race horses in our business. Wow. Yeah. The rest of them, we get a few cutters and a few camp drafters and some, you know, warm bloods and that come through, but... Um, a lot of them are thoroughbreds, yeah. um, but we break them in exactly the same as what every other horse comes through. The first three weeks are the same, doesn't matter what About breed. About the same or, age too, like a two-year-old type yeah, age? Yeah, yep. they, they're all sort of come through as two-year-olds and, yep. and um, yeah, so we, the first three weeks is the same. The last week or two weeks we rotate them probably between the race, we've got a little racetrack, um, between that and in the arena or down the road, um, depending on the horse really. Like, yep. Yeah. So you just pretty much the same but just giving them a really good start and get them all balanced up yeah, for the racetrack yeah, yeah. I, I sort of like to have them you know they should have two leads and should be able to canter a 20 metre circle and or even a square sort of thing and stay balanced and yeah so yeah I reckon it's, it's, a, it's got to be an advantage when they hit the racetrack I reckon so. it'd have to be yeah, yeah. a horse going more balanced has got to go faster yeah. than the one that's yeah. got surely yeah so um yeah so obviously with your breaking in business and do you still do any shoeing or that's just something that you yeah, no, no. I, I even struggle shoeing my own this yeah <laughs> so obviously you've been a bit of a jack of all trades within the horse industry yeah, quite accomplished yeah. in all sorts of areas which is um pretty great achievement what you've done throughout the especially your saddle bronc career and and now moving over into the camp drafting world and i know you're very modest and and all the rest and you don't like talking about yourself in that sort of a way but you definitely stepped 
up in the camp drafting world. You've crossed over and you've got some really nice horses coming along. What's your um, future plans there? Are you going to keep going along with the camp drafting and try and get a good team up? And Yeah, is that your plan now, camp drafting? Yeah, I, I love the camp draft and I reckon it's the most humbling sport ever. When you Like rodeo and I think it's only just two brains. Now you've got three brains to deal with and yeah. if they're not all lined up it can go really pear-shaped. But, yeah. um, but no, I'd like to get a good team of horses together and, and um, once the boys are grown up a little bit more I'd like Jane to come along with me a bit yep. more yep. she's had to stay home with the boys at school this time so, yep. so you've yeah. got two boys yeah yep. and yep. how old are they now uh, base 14 and Dustin is 11 yeah okay yep. Yep. yep in terms of mental preparation like obviously you're a very good bronc rider in your day um, you know mentally preparing yourself for like the camp draft do you go sort of the same thing like are you do you get nervous at all or are you just sort of oh I, I think you yeah i think you get your your heartbeat raises a little bit when you're looking but i i yeah uh, it's probably fairly different with bronc riding i um i guess i, I guess i used to visualize lots of things when i was bronc riding and yeah you know i lay here and i think about the perfect running camp drafting too which um can go wrong very quickly <laughs> but it definitely helps though. it does yeah yeah if yeah. you sort of got a plan in your head like if you sort of try and stick to it and uh, not stress if it goes a little bit yeah out of shape but uh yeah but i um i think every time i go in there I try to just tell myself don't get excited just do what you're trying to do at home and yeah so yeah. say with your horses um like obviously you've got that one mare that you particularly like scarlet um, and then you have sort of other ones coming through. Do you feel when, before you go into drafts, that you're sort of trying to, you know, some horses have particular little things, like they might drop their shoulder or they might be a little tough on a changeover or something, something. Do you, are you conscious of that when you're riding? Are you thinking, okay, when I'm picking this bullock, like I know this horse can be a little tough or it cheats a little bit in the camp or try and find something to suit your horse or you just sort of go in and try not to think about it too much? Yeah, I, I do try and find a cow that suits the horses. Um, yeah. Like you know, they're not all they're all different paces. Like I, I, I always say, the best horse on my truck. He's not here this weekend. He's got a lung infection. But oh, okay, he, that's um, uh, willpower. willpower is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he, yeah, he's he stayed at home. But I um probably always used to pick a cow to challenge him a lot more. Whereas I'd pick a slower cow for probably the restaurant because he's got a bit more pace. And um then when I sort of decided not to be ninety every time, yeah, <laughs> and come back to just get them around. We we run a few nineties because I got picked better cows for him. Because, yeah, okay. Yeah, and I, that was probably just a bit of a learning curve for me. Um, yeah. Thinking he could handle it and so just overrode yeah. the whole situation yeah, rather yeah. than just riding. Yeah, that sort of I was thing. trying to. Yep. smash it out of the ballpark instead yep. of just winning something. So. Which I think you probably see that a lot with, um, I think everyone makes that mistake yeah. at some point, yeah. don't they, where they, especially when they get a good horse and you just think you'll, yeah, you'll make, try and make the best of it each time, but it doesn't happen, does it? Like no, it doesn't, yeah. Sometimes yeah, just pull them back. Yeah, now if, you, if you set them up for success, and that's probably where you, you know, I always go in there now and pick a cow that I can handle. It's probably different if it was a shootout show. You'd pick something that yep. you're going to try and be 90 on. Or... Do you think um, people that say that horses that come out of the cutting pen, like you'll see horses, they come and they're like cut out really well and then they don't necessarily draft so well outside like they could do. Do you, do you see that some people they'll buy that horse, cuts out really well and then get a bit excited outside and then things go pear-shaped? What would be your advice to those type of people getting those types of horses? Like, would you tell them to go chase some more cattle and get them horses softer? Or what would be your advice to those who are buying horses, trying to get that big cut and cut out 
but haven't really taught them how to run yeah. outside yet. Yeah, I, like the anything that I've had through home that's come out of the cut pen, I try and pick their pace up and counter the flower pattern pretty much. So always on one lead, but they've got to be able to rate and turn, rate and come back through the middle. Oh, um, okay. Just so so, yeah, so just, it literally comes out like a flower when yeah, you're doing yeah. your pattern. So you've got a cone and you just keep cantering back past the cone, so you keep on a big flower pattern around. Um, but uh, uh, most of the cutters, um, besides loping a circle, they can't lope a square. You go to stop, you know, check and change this, they're stopping. Yeah. So they've got to learn to travel through the turns a bit, so the flower patterns are pretty bit lot of it's a, something that I do a lot so yeah okay yeah. I think that's great sort of I know I've I've had that experience myself and I see it a lot with other horses because a lot of people want that big yard but then yeah. um yeah, yeah forget that they haven't actually they can cut out a cow and watch a cow yeah. but yeah. what yeah what sort of techniques to use and you would recommend the flower yeah. pattern yeah, and, yeah. or yeah. even squares or you know just long as there's changes with with the forward motion change because most of the cutters get in trouble for leaking forward so yeah um they get pick up on a rain they're stopping and coming back sort of thing so yeah and they're not too late to teach, are they? Like, they come from the no, cutting pen five, yeah, six, or yeah. four, whatever. They're yeah. not, you know... No, 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 there's plenty of years left in them, but I think the biggest thing is don't be in a hurry to make them a camp draft. Of course, if you're charging out after them, like I know when I started this roan mare, um, I didn't do much at all on her for 12 months, and then she just won a maiden and smoked it around, a um, couple around really good, but even if it was a left-hand course and the cow went right, I wasn't busting it to go left-hand. I'd lope around, put a right-hand circle, and they'd crack the whip, and... I'd tag it out to the backyard just to try and set her up so there was no stress on you, you, she's able to chase the cows. So, mm. yeah. yeah, no, I think that's really interesting because you do, I think as time's gone on, a lot of people are getting those cutting horses yeah. and then um, yeah. probably struggling to convert them over successfully where they're a long-term horse. I think they get that yeah. big yard, yeah. they get a bit excited, get that big yard cut out, feels great, yeah. and then forget to teach them how to... Yeah. run outside a bit which is fair because i mean these days camp drafts are so competitive you, you need a 22 23 yeah. yard at least to be you know yeah. up there so that camp score is pretty yeah. vital yeah. but you know you can't on the other hand you can't win a camp draft with, without, in the yard yeah, yeah. No, that's what jane used to tell me to <laughs> <laughs> you got to get outside there's only 26 <laughs> points in there so. yeah yeah there's plenty more points outside yeah. that's for sure definitely well you um You've always had a fair bit of success at Landmark, but um, and preparing young horses, you're very well known for that. But one horse in particular that stood out to me, that I know you started, you didn't put through the ring, but you started, is that one more metallic um, that sold for 210,000. Um, watching that horse go through the ring, obviously Rob Leach rode it through the ring, but you started him. And um, what was that horse like to start? Like he was, he looked so athletic and natural and, you know, really could work a cow. What was he like? Um, yeah, the first day, I think right out of the yard, he was wanting to lay down with me and not really wanting to go away from the yards. But after we got to, you know, the first week, on a few lumps out, he was a nice little horse. Like, everything he'd done, he seemed to do it pretty easy. Um, like, I'm taking nothing away from Rob, he'd done a great job putting him through there. But even starting him on the bag, he read the bag, he was stopping with the bag. Within two days, he was starting to jump his bum in the ground and think about working the bag. So... No, he was a, he was a really nice little horse. Mm. Too. How was he, he bred again? So he's a metallic cat out of a one more playboy mare, isn't it? One more playboy mare, yeah. playboy mare was mm. it? Yeah, no, he was a really lovely horse. I've noticed Wally Ray bought him, and he's drafting about now. I think he went up to Condamine and yeah, okay, yeah. yeah I I've seen him at Landmark last year, and he did, yeah. he went pretty good. Like yeah, he, that's right. I did yeah, see him. Yeah, placed in around. the top ten, I think. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely made yeah. a mark. Yeah, no, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I, 
does he have any more landmarks left in him, or is that Yeah, it? I think he's got one, one more, more. Ne- so this next, or the or, next coming one, yeah. yeah. And what have you got um, coming up for landmark this year? you got a couple of sale horses? Uh, um, Carolyn asked me to put one of hers through, but yeah. Ben Hall's got it at the moment, so... Yeah, I'd, rightio. Yeah. So you so, got none of your own either. No, you got no, nothing. nothing. What no. about Scarlet? You got any foals? Have you embryoed uh, her or yeah, anything like I, uh, that? Yeah, got a conman filly out of her. Um, yeah. Pretty little roan. I don't know that oh, there's not too nice. many roan conmans around, but um, yeah. yeah. But she like she's be coming up twelve months, I think. Yeah. Uh, pretty soon. Oh, um, be exciting. Yeah, and I think she's she's a pretty nice little filly. A bit sassy like a mum too, I think. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that Chisholm conman cross will really. You know that'll deliver the goods for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely do the job in our in the yeah. camp drafting world, and yeah. and um. So we'll what sort of will you put her through the cutting pen at all, or you just, just no? Focus I'll just her I'll just keep her and just take her straight through. Along. Yeah, yeah. Camp drafting eventually. So. Yeah. Mm. No, fair enough. You're um you're sponsored by Cinch, and obviously they're you know everyone wants to look the goods. Uh, I mean, what does it mean to have the support of someone like them? Uh no, they've been great sponsors mainly because. Saves me a lot of money on buying clothes, but <laughs> yeah. um, but no, they've been they've they've looked after me really well over the last few years, and and um, yeah, been a great help to me. So mm. yeah, no, I think it works both ways there. I think you're a great representative for for Cinch, and you do a great job um, presenting your horses, and yeah, putting um, across a great um, image and and respect within the camp draft community. So um, I think Cinch is probably very proud to have you on board as well. Just on a maybe a final note, but I was just I've been asking a lot of trainers this question, but um, obviously the horse training game is a pretty difficult game, like for anyone. Um, what sort of advice would you give to the young trainers out there, sort of twenty, eighteen, nineteen, that are thinking about doing it, but they're just not sure? Like, you know, did you ever go through that stage of thinking, oh, am I good enough to do this? Or uh, with like with camp drafting, or, or just, just training horse horses? Training. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I guess you doubt yourself all the time, um, but I think when you get something that's got a little bit of bit of ability, like don't overdo it because I've done that plenty of times. You get something that gets hooked on a cow, get two turns, and you want twenty two. So yeah. yeah, always quit on a good note with them. Yeah, um, yeah. If they, if they if it's fun for the horse, it's got to be they'll pick it up a lot better. So yeah, yeah. So and. The horse game's not an easy game, is it? Like, you've got to be really devoted. It's long hours. Yeah. It's yeah, it is. 24-7, basically, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No, it is. And I think if they took horses out of my life, I don't know whether I've got one. So <laughs> <laughs> Everything I've done in my life has been it's horses. horses, so. yeah, yeah. You're very accomplished within yeah. the sort of rodeo, campcraft, yeah. everything sort yeah. of world. So, well, Just to put into picture, how does a day start and end for you? Like, what what is the process at home? Um, well, I, I guess I got a walker in there, which made a lot of difference to my break, like starting young horses. Yeah. Um, yeah, we usually go out, I saddle horses up, put them on the walker, not every day. Monday's a big day for the walker, like it, everything goes on there just to take the weekend edge off them. Yeah. Um, and pretty much I just ride from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. How, so, many, how many horses would be in work? Uh, when we're, when we're full on there, we have about 26, 27 horses there. I usually, I've got, um, two staff, Harry and Sarah working with me at the moment. Um, Harry's been with us for near, bit over four years, so he's very handy. Um, and Sarah usually, she'll catch and let go and does yards and she gets to ride, um, some of the better ones when they're going. I'm probably a bit sooky when it comes to girls. I don't put them on the rough ones, so yeah. Fair enough. So what, what... 
apart from horses, do you have, do you go out, what do you do to go and enjoy? Do you get away? Do you do, do you have any other hobbies or likes or horses is just it? Uh, just the family, I suppose, whatever we can go. Like we go on a holiday pretty much once a year. Yeah. Um, somewhere with Jane and the boys. Um, the boys play football in the off season. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, not that I enjoy it, it's cold and wet and whatever else, but, <laughs> but I go it. along and yeah, watch yeah. the boys. So. You only get to watch them grow up once, yeah. so yeah, that's yeah, right. it's not, yeah. not that much out of your time to go yeah. and do it. Yeah. Well, that's about going to do it for us, Bruce. Thank yep. you um, so much for giving us your time at Warwick. No, um, that's okay. Really enjoyed catching up with you, for sure. Yeah, we wish you all the best of luck. Obviously, you've got some more runs coming up, and um, yeah, we really hope you do well, and we'll hopefully be able to cover those on our page and and um, keep everyone up to date, but we really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Well, guys, that's the episode with Bruce O'Dell. We really hope you enjoyed that episode. Massive shout-out to Bruce. Mate, you're a bloody legend. Thank you for sitting down with us. We really enjoyed your company, and good luck with the rest of it all. Also, guys, if you want to look as stylish as Bruce does out on the Camp Draft course, well, be sure to jump on www.mavericksholesale.com.au and kit yourself out in all the latest cinch gear. If you want to look the goods, you've got to dress in cinch. Well, guys, my three takeaways from today's interview. Well, my number one was, yeah, Bruce had a massive rodeo background and that commitment that he showed in that sport is second to none. It's the same commitment that he still shows today with his horses, and that's why they are so damn good. My second one, well, it has to be his style. His horses are so nice and calm, they work extremely well for him, and it has to do with that leadership that he has over them. His calm nature, but strong and affirmative leadership is a credit to him. My third one is, I just love that Bruce has made a great business out of breaking in thoroughbreds. Me being a little bit of a thoroughbred man, I just love to see that someone, you know, even involved in the quarter horses and stock horses, still manages to break in these thoroughbred animals that can be a bit mad at times, but still stays true to that style and gets the job done and obviously has massive success. Well, guys, that's going to do us for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Bruce, your buddy legend, and we'll be sure to catch you up down the road. Till next time, guys, we'll see you then.